0: And we'll be looking at this passage again this morning as we did last week. In fact, we're going to be looking at the heart. Uh, Pretty much all this fall, different aspects of the heart. And Ezekiel talks to us about a new heart. So Ezekiel 36, verses 22 to 32. if uh, If you're using the seat Bibles, you'll find that on page 613. So... One of my daughter Rachel's favorite movies is The Lion King. And uh, you might remember, if you've seen the movie, that it's the story of a lion prince named Simba who has lost his family and forgotten his identity. Simba, whose father Mufasa is king, is is a mischievous cub. And Simba's wicked uncle Scar takes advantage of this fault by luring um, Simba to this place he's not supposed to go where there uh, happens to be a wildebeest stampede and Simba is nearly killed but his brave father Mufasa comes to save his son but in the process Mufasa dies with more than a little help from Scar as it turns out and Scar blames Mufasa's death on Simba and Simba believes it so Simba runs away in grief and in shame and in guilt This allows Scar to become king, and under Scar's tyranny, the animals are oppressed and the pride lands devolve into a howling waste. Meanwhile, Simba is in self-imposed exile, and he meets some new friends, and they teach him the way of hakuna matata, no worries. They live for today with no cares, no problems. And as Simba grows up, instead of turning into the mighty prince that he was destined to become, he instead becomes a carefree, irresponsible pussycat. But then Simba happens to run into two old friends who remind him of his past. First is Nala, a childhood playmate, now a grown-up lioness. And she tells Simba about the Pride Lands since he's been gone and how they've fallen into disarray and suffering under the oppression of Scar. And she begs him to return as, as the rightful king to try to set things right. And then comes Rafiki, a baboon, sort of a mentor figure in the story. And Rafiki tells Simba his father is not actually dead. And he promises to show Simba. And so he leads um, Simba to this reflective pool. And let's what, watch what happens there, if we could have the video. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see? He lives in you. Father? No, please, don't leave me, Father. Don't leave me. What was that? (laughs) The weather, very peculiar, don't you think? Yeah looks like the winds are changing ah change is good yeah but it's not easy all right your father he lives in you you have forgotten who you are look inside yourself you are more than what you have become remember who you are you are my son remember who you are do you hear the gospel words there (laughs) Probably not intentional on Disney's part, but every good story winds up inadvertently mimicking at least part of God's great story. And I think these gospel words, these gospel reminders are what today's passage is saying to us this morning. Your father, he lives in you. You have forgotten who you are. Look inside yourself. You are more than what you have become. Remember who you are. You are my son, my daughter. Remember who you are. Ezekiel in our passage this morning proclaims the word of the Lord For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. And move you to follow my decrees. And to be careful to keep my laws. We'll be restored. Brought back to God's presence. Back under God's provision and protection. We will be cleansed. All our impurities washed away. We will be given a new heart, a new spirit, a heart which wants to please God. That's what Ezekiel proclaims that God was going to do for his people. And for many of us this morning, that's exactly what God has done for us. Last week, we looked at this passage, right? And, and we, were reminded, we were reminded that God offers to give us a new heart. To take our dead heart, our, our heart of stone, and to replace it with a new heart, a heart of flesh. And for many of us here this morning, we were reminded that God has done exactly that. God has given us new hearts. God has taken away our old dead hearts, our old hearts which caused us, like the Israelites we saw last week, to have a rebellious attitude toward God, to not be interested in God's wishes for us or God's plans for our lives, to to not be faithful to God, to, to not trust God with our lives, to not love God. That's the kind of hearts we used to have. And yet at some point, for many of us, Jesus came into our lives and gave us new hearts. I can tell you the story of how it happened to me. I grew up in a Christian family, going to church, being taught all about God. And yet my parents from time to time would would pull me aside and remind me that I wasn't a follower of Jesus just because they were. That I had to decide for myself whether to have my own relationship with Jesus. And yet, all through high school, I I, I put this off because I knew what Jesus expected. (laughs) And and I knew that I I couldn't live up to it. I I knew I didn't really want to. I didn't want to turn my life over completely to the direction of Jesus. I wanted to call some of the shots myself. I wanted to go to college to, to be successful, to make lots of money. My mom used to compare me to Alex P. Keaton from the 80s sitcom, Family Ties, for those of you who, yeah, um intellectually cocky know-it-all uh stingy with my money selfish that was me i also remember realizing specifically that that if i were to follow jesus i would need to be kind to other kids in school you see my group of friends had this habit of teasing a couple of the kids in our classes we had these running jokes and they they were so funny at these other kids expense and um My conscience sometimes bothered me, but I had a really hard time not laughing along and joining in. And I knew I wasn't strong enough. I knew that I wasn't brave enough to change and to stand up for these poor kids and not join in. Yet I knew this is exactly what Jesus would expect me to do. And so following Jesus would just have to wait. For several reasons, it was just too hard well, then I graduated from high school and I went to college and, and there I met some, some followers of Jesus who had a, a passion and a joy and a life that was compelling and was infectious. These students were excited about Jesus and, and they were courageous for Jesus and their example and their genuine love and their passion moved my heart and I wanted what they had. And, and so I asked Jesus finally to forgive my sins and to give me a new heart And I told Jesus I would follow him and and I would let him be my Lord after all, and and I was baptized. And guess what? I started to change. In some ways, immediately and dramatically, and in other ways, it was a little bit at a time. I developed a new love for people that I didn't have before that. The idea of joining in and, and teasing other kids became distasteful to me. And, and I couldn't join anymore in, in that kind of meanness. I became less interested in making lots of money, and I started wondering how I could devote my life to help other people. I stopped caring about being right all the time. You see, I now had a new heart, and I was becoming a different person. Many of you could tell similar stories about your own lives, right? Right? You've had similar experiences as, as as Jesus came into your life and as God gave you new hearts. But the other thing that I've heard some of you say as you reflected on last week's sermon is that life as a follower of Jesus is not just a dramatic before and after shot. That it's messier than that. That some of you, it, even though you have new hearts, you've admitted that that you still all too often struggle with many of the same old desires and inclinations which have always flowed out of your old heart. It seems that there's a lot of the old heart in there too. That, that a battle is going on between the new and the old. And sometimes it's not even a battle. In some areas of your life, the old heart is just still plain calling the shots, right? I know, I'm there with you too. I experienced this too. It, it feels like there's a lot of the old heart in me too. And, and so we might say to Ezekiel this morning, really? A new heart? Really? A new spirit? Really, God, you, you will move me to follow your decrees and to be careful to keep your laws? I'm not sure I'm really all that moved to please you, God. I, I mean, I sort of want to to a point, but there's another part of me which doesn't really want to get all that serious about all you might ask of me. And truth be told, God, I look around me at some of the other people around, and um, I'm not sure that some of them are all that moved to follow you either. Right? Are you with me? (laughs) Now, why is this? Why, if, if God has actually given us new hearts, why don't our hearts always act so new? Well, let me give you three reasons. First reason, think with me. These will probably resonate with you. We live in a world which is not encouraging our hearts to love and follow God. Friends, work environment, family, TV, movies, the media, school. All around us there are influences pushing on our hearts, tugging on our hearts, marketing to us, enticing us, luring our hearts to chase after other things, pulling us away from God. Let me ask you, what is the world doing to your heart? And what are you doing to guard your heart? Second reason our hearts don't act more new. The Bible calls it the flesh. It's sometimes translated the sinful nature. And it's the part of us which isn't new yet. (laughs) You see, there's more to us than our new hearts. We've also got minds. We've got thoughts and assumptions and memories. And we've got bodies. We've got desires and emotions and urges and cravings. You know, often today we associate the heart with with our emotions, but that isn't the way the Bible thinks of it. In the biblical view, our emotions are in our belly. They're in our gut. Um, Luke, could we have that slide now? Um, our hearts, from the biblical view, aren't so much about our emotions, but rather they're about our choices. Our hearts are the core part of of who we are. They're the control center, the deepest part, that part which is ultimately responsible for the decisions we make and, and who we are. So sure, our brains have thoughts, and our guts have emotions and desires, and they influence us, they pull and they tug on us, but they are not us. Ultimately, it's our hearts that choose, our hearts that decide, our hearts that shape who we are and how we behave. But here's the thing. Our minds, our emotions, and our feelings, our our flesh can have a big influence on our hearts. Our minds influence the data that our hearts use to make decisions. Feed the heart bad data and the heart will make bad decisions. And our emotions and desires also pull and tug strongly on our hearts. And some of us have never learned to say no to our emotions. And so our emotions, our desires, they lead us around like we're a pig with a a, a ring in its nose. It's called having no self-control. It's called lacking self-discipline. So there's a lot going on in here, right? Right? We're complex. We, we have mixed motives. We have battles going on inside of us. No wonder our hearts don't act more new. All right, you can go to the black slide now. Thanks, Luke. But there's a third reason, too, that, that our hearts don't act more new, and this one is spiritual. The comedian Flip Wilson made this one popular when he said, the devil made me do it. And Wilson was right, but he was also wrong. He was wrong that the devil makes us do it. But he was right that there is a devil which seeks to influence our hearts. According to the Bible, there's a spiritual world that's inhabited by spiritual beings, and not all of these beings are on God's side. There's an enemy which seeks to influence us, to influence our hearts, to turn away from God and to doubt God's goodness. Like the snake in the garden who tempted Adam and Eve, this enemy seeks to make us question God's goodness and It encourages us to to strike out on our own and to decide for ourselves what is good and what is not. This voice says to our hearts, don't blindly follow God. Decide for yourself what you think is best, what you want to be best. And so three influences here are are pushing and are pulling on our hearts. the, The world, the flesh, and the devil. No wonder our new hearts don't always feel or act very new. And this push and pull, this this tug of war between these different influences as we work out and as we struggle out, whether our new hearts ultimately will have final say, this is a big part of what the Christian walk is all about, how we deal with all of this. And we could spend a long time talking about strategies to overcome these influences, which war against our hearts, how we can develop self-control, how we can fill our minds with truth, how we can overcome temptation, etc. But for this morning, I want to focus us on the main point, which is the good news that Ezekiel has for us today, which is repeated throughout the Bible, and it's this. God really has given us new hearts. And God fully expects these new hearts to take the lead in transforming our lives. God has given us new hearts. God has come close to us and God has breathed into us with God's own spirit. God has taken our heart of stone, if we're a follower of Jesus, and given us hearts of flesh in place. Hearts which are are. Um, alive to God, hearts which are fully capable, fully disposed toward trusting God and loving God and pleasing God, toward living brand new transformed lives. And so I think the first thing we need to remember when we talk about living the Christian life is what Simba needed to remember in the movie clip that we saw earlier, and that's this. Your father, he lives in you. You have forgotten who you are. Look inside yourself. You are more than what you have become. Remember who you are. You are my son, my daughter. Remember who you are. You are my own people, God says in today's passage. I called you out of the world to be close to me, to be my own special people, to know me, to live differently, to show the world what I'm like and to be a blessing to the nations. And to make this possible, God says, I have cleansed you from all of your sins, I've washed away all your failures and all of your dirtiness, and I have given you a new heart, a new heart, a new spirit. I've taken that old dead heart out, and I've given you a living heart, a heart which beats for me. Remember who you are. Listen to those desires that you have in your new heart to please me. Pay attention to those pangs of conscience you feel when you go astray. Don't let the other voices, the other influences around you and in you lead you astray. Don't let them cause you to forget your identity. Live from your heart. Live out of your new heart out of the center, out of the the well of life and energy that God has put inside of you. Don't live pushed and pulled and tugged by the world out there. Don't let the world shape you into its mold and draw you along with all of its enticements. And inside of you, don't let your flesh push around your heart. Don't let your emotions lead your heart around. Don't let your mind feed your heart lies and deceptions. And certainly, don't let your spiritual enemy sow lies into your mind. Don't let in uh, um, those deceptions and those temptations because you have a new heart. God has given it to you. Live out of your heart. Live from your new heart. God has put in you and me a newness, a new spirit, a new desire to love God, to please God, to live for God. And over time, it will utterly transform you if you live out of your new heart. Let me put it a different way. Sometimes we, we say this to children who are not acting in line with who they really are. We say, act your age, right? <laughs> you're in middle, if you're in middle school, grow up and stop acting like an elementary schooler. The immature ways that you're behaving, that's not who you really are anymore. So grow up, act your age. And so we've got to act as if we have a new heart. Because we do if we're a follower of Jesus. So why go back and live like we've still got that old dead heart? Let me remind you what happens to to God's people when we don't live out of our new hearts. We wind up faking it going through the motions. We wind up trying to act respectable at church and even holy on the outside, but on the inside we're full of coldness and apathy and bitterness and judgmentalism. We, we fall back into the trappings of, of religion, the, the rituals, the, the routines, the, the habits. But, but there's little passion, there's, there's little transformation, there's little power and there's little life. And then the world looks at us and they say if that's being a Christian, who would want to be one? Because we've lost the heart of it. We've lost the new heart. We've lost touch with what God has given us. We've lost the heart of who we are. We've got to get back to living from our new hearts. I don't know about you, but but sometimes I get discouraged. I I feel far from God. I I lose my motivation to keep growing spiritually. I I look at my life and I can get overwhelmed with how much still needs to change about me. And and I'm aware of so many motives battling inside of me which are not in line with what God wants. Well, Ezekiel is speaking into that reality today which we experience. And Ezekiel has good news for us. Saying, yeah, all that might be true, but, but you have another motivation too. At the very core of who you are, God has planted in you a new heart. God has given you a new spirit. There's a part of you, the very core of you, that does want to please God. Don't lose touch with that. Be encouraged. That's who you really are. Live out of that. Let your heart hold sway in your life. Guard and nurture your heart. Let me close with an illustration of what this might look like. A number of years ago for Christmas, a, a family in the church gave us, for a present, a peach tree. And uh, it didn't come full grown and full of peaches, as nice as that would have been. Um, but it wasn't a mere seed either. It was a real tree. It, it made an impression in our yard as soon as I planted it there. Its, it's presence was notable, noticeable, and it was alive and it was growing. It was full of potential. But it was also small and spindly at first. And what it would finally amount to would depend a lot on what I did with that tree. So what did I do? Well, I I cleared space for it so it could flourish, so it could get enough sun. I I staked it up with cords so it had support, so it would grow straight. I uh, watered it to help it get established. I pruned it early each spring. I treated it when it developed a fungus. And now each summer we get delicious peaches. That's kind of like the hearts that God has given us. They're, they're full of life and potential. They make an impact as soon as God plants them in us. And, and yet, if, if we neglect them, if we don't tend to them, over time they can wither, they can grow stunted, they could stop bearing fruit. Lots of competing growth can grow up and over and around them and crowd them out, and they can get lost in the jungle of our busy lives. And so again, hear the good news Ezekiel reminds us of this morning. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees And to be careful to keep my laws. Your father. He lives in you. You have forgotten who you are. Look inside yourself. You are more than what you have become. Remember who you are. You are my son. My daughter. Remember who you are. Remember your new heart.